Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. Shep Hyken here. We're back on Amazing Business Radio with another week Uh, another interview this week. It's going to be a great interview because semi in the house. And I say that because he's not really in the house. He's uh, on our show. It's Jeff Gotthelf today. We've got a great interview. And he's not only uh, not in the house, he's not even in the United States. He is in Barcelona, Spain, where he lives now. We're going to learn more about that and why he's there. And uh, I'm excited today because we're going to learn all about uh, kind of a different uh, angle on on the show here. We're going to be talking about how successful organizations listen to their customers and create new products, which is actually the subtitle of his book, Sense and Respond. But before we get into that, just a couple of quick announcements. If you've got a story to tell or you've got a question to ask, all you have to do is find me almost anywhere online, obviously hyken.com, H-Y-K-E-N. But you can find me on Twitter, at Hiking. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on YouTube. You can find me uh, Facebook. You can find me pretty much everywhere. And if I don't even know about it, I'll find out about it. Trust me. So if you've got a story or you've got a question to ask, please make sure you let us know. I'll be happy to answer those questions. And finally, I want to make uh, another plug for the TV show, Be Amazing or Go Home. You can find it on on uh, Amazon Prime, uh, the C-Suite Network. Uh, if you have Roku, get it through your Roku channels. And then, uh, of course, uh, be amazing or go home.tv. All right, time for our interview. Let's talk about Jeff. He helps organizations build better products and executives build the cultures that build better products. He's the co-author of the award-winning book, Lean UX, as in user experience, and the Harvard Business Review press book, Sense and Respond. Jeff Gotthelf is in the house, kind of. Okay, all the way over in Barcelona. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Hey, Chef. Thanks so much for having me on the show. I'm excited. And uh, hey, real quick, little background on who you are, where you've come from. I know you have your background with AOL. That's intriguing. And uh, tell us about it. Yeah, absolutely. So I spent the first decade of my career as a software designer. Um, I helped build all of uh, products and services and design products and services that millions of people used in the late 90s and early 2000s, that whole Web 1.0 experience. In fact, I was responsible for some of the pieces of the software that went on those uh, AOL CDs that we sent out 15 million at a time uh, to everyone in the 90s and and early 2000s. They make great coasters. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. (laughs) They certainly do today. Um, It was interesting. About 10 years into my career, I hit a point where it was clear to me that the work that I was doing wasn't having the impact that I hoped it was having on our customers. And in fact, the way that the people I was working for were measuring my work was simply by the completion of my work rather than the impact that it had on my customers. And for me, that was unacceptable. I had to figure out a better way of working or change careers. Along with my team and, and colleagues in the space, we reinvented the way that software design collaborated with uh, engineering and product management and so forth. And in doing so, we helped uh, people really think through a better way of, of meeting customer needs with digital products and services. We wrote a book about it called Lean UX. And with the success of that book, we learned that while product teams the people who make the actual products and services wanted to work in this new way, their bosses and the companies that they worked for 
didn't let them work this way. That was the overwhelming feedback we've got. Uh, hence the, the idea that the culture um, yeah, to create that culture is is different than just. I mean, it's it's not just customer focused. It's creating a culture that, um, you know, what's what's the uh, phrase that we we mentioned? It, it you help you create cultures that build better products, that's not right. just great cultures to work in. Exactly. And that's the key, the key thing here. And that's really where the whole sense and respond thing came in was we sense and respond is basically a practical, tactical letter, open letter to the, to the executives and the aspiring leaders of the world to say, look, you've got to start managing product teams better and start focusing on the customer much more because that is how you're going to win and succeed today. And, and it's, it's that it's those cultures that build customer centric products that succeed, that attract the best people, and that ultimately have the, the, the biggest impact on, on their customers. So is it, is it like, um, I mean, you're creating the customer-focused culture. Are you empowering people like just as you would empower people to take you know, great care of the customer or their internal customers? Are you empowering people to you know, be creative and work together? What, what's, the, what's the word I'm looking for here? Yeah, we, uh, the goal is to get the, the, the leaders of these organizations to empower the people who are closest to the customer to make the best decisions, to make their decisions on a day-to-day basis about how to best deliver value to these customers. Mm-hmm. And that's the key, the key, because these folks are the ones that understand what they're doing. They understand how it's impacting the customer's behavior, and they know what to do to make it better. And so the more that we can empower the, the people closest to the information and closest to the customer to make the, the day-to-day decisions, the more likely we are to succeed. Got it, got it. All right, so here's a line. Software has eaten the world. <laughs> How does that change customer expectations for the service that they receive from their companies? And, and what do you mean by software has eaten the world? So it's a, it's a variation on a quote from Mark Andreessen. Uh, Mark Andreessen back in 2011, uh, Mark Andreessen was the, the guy who invented Netscape, the, the first visual oh, yeah. browser. Mm-hmm. And today, today he's a very successful venture capitalist and a bit of the, the oracle of Silicon Valley in some ways. Um, and he said software is eating the world. And what he meant by that was that any business of scale or a business that seeks to scale in the 21st century at its core is doing that with software. And that's the only way to, to compete at scale in the 21st century is to base the delivery of your value in, in some capacity on technology and specifically software. What I said, what I, the variation I have is that basically that's happened. So he says this is, he was saying this is happening in the last eight, nine years. This has happened. And what's fascinating is that the expectations that our customers get by using products like Amazon, Netflix, uh, Facebook, um, uh, Google Maps, I- iOS, right? All of these, these consumer-facing technologies that people use every day, they are building the same exact expectations for how to interact with every other company out there, regardless of whether it's a B2C or a B2B situation, whether it's a bank, a hospital, an insurance company, a real estate agency, there's an expectation that it's going to work like Google Maps. It's going to work like Facebook, and I can do those things on there. And if you don't provide those kinds of customer experiences, 
for your customers, somebody else will. Yeah. And that's when you start to lose that market share. So basically, and this is something that I preach all the time to my clients, you compete directly with a competitor, but you're compared to the best service that your, your customers ever had. And I don't care if you're B2B, B2C, just like you mentioned, you take a look at these companies that just seem to have nailed the customer experience, and they're the ones who set the bar today. Absolutely. And how are you going to compete with that? You know, but I'm not Amazon. Well, you don't have to be Amazon, but you've got to understand what people like about Amazon mm-hmm. and figure out how to put some of that into what you do. Yeah. I had a, uh, I had a client once, an old American company in the New, York, uh, the New York City metro area. And one of the things that they sold was this GIS software system. GIS stands for Geographic Information Systems. These are data-rich mapping they data-rich maps, digital maps that they sell to comp- like telcos to tell them where to build cell phone towers. And their telco customers would come in and put their fingers on the screen and try to pinch and zoom to zoom in or to zoom out or move the map around with their, with their fingers. And it didn't work that way. And they said, well, it, it doesn't pinch and zoom. And, and the, the company said back then, well, well, yeah, it doesn't do that. And they said, but Google Maps does that. And they said, yeah, but this isn't Google Maps. And the response was, but Google Maps does that. Right, right. <laughs> and, and then they went to a competitor whose service did behave that way because those are the expectations that are being set and they come home to roost in, in every kind of environment, B2C, B2B, B2B, B2C, et cetera. Yep, even the government is getting better at what they do, which is hard to believe. And I can't believe I'm actually saying this. <laughs> but if you look at the, you know, here, the American Customer Satisfaction Index, you'll see that over the years, the government has improved the experience. And I think part of it is, is that people are beginning, even I mean, the people who are running their, the offices and, and they're getting employees, they're starting to recognize how important it is to meet a certain expectation. You know, maybe they're not at, you know, quite at the, you know, well, they may never be at an Amazon level. Hardly any company will ever be at that Amazon level, but uh, at least in the very quick, soon, near foreseeable future. But for the government to recognize, you know what, people don't like waiting on hold anymore. They don't mm-hmm. like waiting in long lines. What can we do to make it better? And I remember, gosh, um, I don't remember how many years ago, but it was when Barack Obama was president. And he said, we're going to start a customer service initiative. And I'm thinking for my business, oh, this is exciting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how do I get some of this government business? But, uh, you know, do some of that customer service training. But the reality of it is they put a lot of people uh, in charge of making the experience better. And that was really important. Hey, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk more about, you know, how we can compete and, and can meet the bar of what's uh, now being expected from our customers. So we are talking with... Jeff Gotthelf. He is the author of Sense and Respond, How Successful Organizations Listen to Customers and Create New Products Continuously. Don't go away. We're coming right back. Good customer service is now an expectation. Don't provide it and you'll be disrupted by a competitor who does. So what can you do to stand out? Well, that's the focus of my latest book, The Convenience Revolution, how to create a customer service experience that disrupts the competition and creates fierce loyalty. The goal is to reduce friction and be convenient for your customers. So if you're ready to take your customer service to the next level and disrupt your competitors, well, this is the book for you. 
To order the book, go to www.beconvenient.com. That's beconvenient.com. It's time for you to join the revolution, the convenience revolution. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio. We're talking with Jeff Gotthelp about Sense and Respond, the title of his book. So what, where, how did you come up with the concept Sense and Respond? I, I like that. I, I feel I know. I read the subtitle. Give us some deeper insight. Absolutely. The, the fascinating, so we talked about AOL earlier. And when I was working at AOL 20 years ago, software was static, it came in a box. You literally went to the store and bought a box mm-hmm. of software. Today, software is continuous. We don't go buy software in a box. It just shows up and, and, it, and it updates and improves on an ongoing basis. Um, the, the, the whether you inst- like it or not, I might. Whether, whether you like it or not. That's right. That's right. Now, the inspiration here that needs to be drawn from this is that if we agree that the way that the, the raw material for Im- building our businesses today is software is technology and software is continuous. What we have here is a tremendous opportunity to learn continuously what our customers are doing. And by learning, I mean sensing, right? We want to sense what our customers are doing with our products and services and why they're doing that. And then using that same mindset, inspiration, and hopefully some technology, we're able to respond equally as fast to make the customer experience better, to improve the service, to improve the experience that the customer goes through. And the faster that we can work through that feedback loop, that sense and respond feedback loop, the faster we are making the, the, the customer service um, fit the needs of the customer and hopefully make them more successful. And so we're always improving these systems that we're building. I think it's continuous. That's, they call it continuous improvement. No, no pun intended. But uh, I think also that brings to the point that uh, when you bought AOL, um, it, it was a subscription service. Would you agree? Yes, it was but you still bought the software in a box. You had to install it. So when it was time to upgrade, what did they do? Did they send you another disc? I can't remember. It was so long ago. Yeah. We sent you a new disc. We sent you a new disc. And today, you know, this is why we've talked about this and I know we're jumping into a completely different subject, but the subscription model is so powerful today. Softwares, software companies have taken this really to a whole nother level. They call it software as a service. Uh, But anything can be done as a service in the sense that you can create a model where a customer pays you ongoing uh, month after month or year to year. Uh, Subscriptions are no longer just for newspapers and magazines. They're for virtually anything from software to automobiles to consulting to uh, anything really uh, physical or, I mean, think about it. You can now rent uh, you know, clothes for the month, return them. So you have new clothes next month to wear, you know, mm-hmm. rent a runway. Uh, you can get your dog food deliver every month at the same time, same day, same place. So, I mean, it, it gets so easy. And I think that's what software has done and it's just exploded. And I think that's part of, once again, you know, you talk about Amazon setting expectations. How about the software companies where, Hey, they just automatically make things better for me when it's time for it to be better, when there's an improvement. 
Yeah. And, and, and look, and, and, the, and the hope, and, and look, a lot of the pushback that I get with the clients that I work with is, well, we're not Amazon, we're an insurance company, right? Um, or we're a bank. And, and that's true, but there's a lot of inspiration to be drawn here and to start right. to rethink how you deliver and capture value as part of your business. I mean, look, you said it earlier that, that we've launched Sense of Respond Press, a, a publishing house for small, uh, for short practical business books. We are examining a subscription model for the press. It's something, basically, you sign up, you pay a monthly fee, and we send you a new book every month. And as new books come out, you're the first one to get it. So that way, you never have to worry about getting the latest book from us. And we know that we have a, 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 con a consistent revenue stream for our business on an ongoing basis as we build more members into our subscription base. So any kind of business can start to rethink of, rethink of ways to meet customer needs and to, to reinvent their business models by drawing inspiration from this new world. What's the, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot uh, because there's nothing in any of the talking points or, or any conversation we've had before this. Favorite companies that are really just knocking it out of the park doing what you're talking about? So I think, you know, it's, it's fascinating. You mentioned um, that they're, you know, Amazon, they really started to think through, right? Like, let me, you buy toilet paper from us every week, right? Let's just get you the toilet paper subscription, right? The dog food every couple of weeks. We're going to get you the dog food every couple of weeks. Um, there are, I'm trying to think of a good subscription business that I sign up for that I, I love and pay for uh, every month. I mean, look, I, the, the services that we're using right now, Zoom, to record yep. this, I you know I pay them money every month because they deliver a high quality product that with with, with you know good video, good audio, good webinars, and, and etc. And so for me, I have I have no problem paying them money, and they deliver this virtual service for me, right? Um, and so and, and they're always making it better. They ran through a little snafu recently, but they're doing better now. And um, and so I'm I'm a big fan of them as well. How about Dollar Shave Club? That was amazing. That was yep. amazing, and I was a customer until until I until I left uh, the U.S. But um, that was that was really really like every every couple of weeks, new razor blades, yep. and, you know, uh, perfect, totally smart, brilliant. I think they, they sold for what a billion? Yeah, over a billion dollars. Yeah, I love that, and yeah. and you know, it, it's really a fascinating study watching how that company, uh, what they did is they they had to do something. He didn't have the budget to do the big advertising, so what did he do? He went on YouTube and he posted some crazy videos. And I'll tell you, they're somewhat PG, borderline R-rated, mostly for language than anything else. Uh, but the guy knocked it out of the park with getting recognized. And you know what? He delivered on the goods. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a good quality product and it's a very low price. And uh, they come out, you know, every four weeks or so, you get your new blades. And if you want to have some shaving cream thrown in, they always say, hey, we're getting ready to send your blades. Do you want us to put, you know, what other accessories you want in? Just a brilliant model. Yeah. And look at the whole, the whole, the whole nature of the business is actually driven by technology. You sign up online, you manage online, uh, the, you, re, you add products, you remove products, you, you end your subscription, right? And so not, it's, it's, it's shaving as a service, right? In this particular it's case. It's shaving as a service, right. Right. <laughs> um, razor blades as a service. Right. <laughs> and, and, and it's, and, but, but this, and, and look, if they want to offer a new product, even if they just want to test, right, the, the, the uh, palatability, the, the, 
you know, the, the market fit of a new idea, they can just add it to the website and show it to 10% of the population. And they can see if people add it to their weekly orders. Mm-hmm. And if they don't, right, maybe we don't invest in rolling that out to all of our customers. We just right. ran that test. And again, it's, it's an incredible opportunity to learn and then to respond quickly. Right. So testing is a big part of the sense and respond model. Mm-hmm. Yep. You hear, you think you know what you're hearing and let's just make sure. So rather than roll it out to everybody, we'll roll it out to a small group of customers just to get their feedback, find out for sure what their thoughts are. Yeah, exactly. And, and the, because the software can be updated really as fast as you want. Now, most organizations, again, don't work at the pace of the Amazons and the Facebooks and the Netflixes of the world. But nevertheless, I mean, if you could push an update out there once every couple of weeks, um, that means that you're learning something mm-hmm. every couple of weeks. And that's fantastic. And that's so much faster than we ever could learn in the past. Yeah. And I think people are going every couple of weeks. That, that sounds like a huge, you know what? So what if it's every couple of months? Mm-hmm. But what I urge everybody listening to do is sit down and, and with the group, and you should be doing this once a week anyway, is having a team meeting and saying, hey, what do you hear out there? I mean, you're, you know, you're, for the, if you're talking to the front line, especially, your ear to the customer is far better than the executive team sitting in a fancy office. Uh, They don't hear what customers are saying day in and day out. And we're not just looking for complaints and problems. We're looking for anything. So, and this, this goes to my point I've made before. Um, It's been quite a while, but people, when they receive negative feedback, they work on fixing. And this is a good thing, by the way, they work on fixing the negative. So it doesn't happen again, or at least doesn't happen as often. Would you agree? Absolutely. And, and the sooner that they can learn that, the less they've invested in the idea. Yeah. So the, yeah. So the, the fix hurts less. And, and the sooner you learn it, anybody that you might have alienated with the problem, you know, you're eliminating that if you just get it fixed quicker. But what about the accolades? What about the positive comments you hear? Just don't say, hey, thank you very much. We're doing a great job. Ask yourself this question. Why doesn't every customer send a letter like this? Or every customer make a comment like this. Mm-hmm. And for some, it's like, wow, I'm, I'm excited to work with you. I'm not used to this where others have become used to it. But the point is the same process, the same listening, and the same development of new ideas has to take place when you receive a positive response from a customer, not just a negative and, and view that as your opportunity. Absolutely. And again, I think that this is one of those things that people underestimate when they say things like, we want to be the Apple of something. We want to be the Netflix of this or the Amazon of that. Really? Have you really taken a good look as to the level of customer service that they provide yeah. and how they make sure that, that getting the things done that customers are trying to get done are the simplest, easiest, and, and most forgiving that they could be? And are you willing to make that similar kind of investment? And most organizations aren't. Yeah. Are you willing to take that thin of a profit margin because you're dumping so much back into the experience? I mean, that's what they're doing. Hey, let's take another break. When we come back, I want to ask you to share with us some very specific ways that we can go about thinking like this and making it happen. So we're talking with Jeff Gotthelf and we are on Amazing Business Radio. Don't go away. We're coming right back. It's been said that you can't improve what you don't measure. And one of the most important areas to measure is the customer experience. 
My friends at Service Guru have an amazing solution that quickly allows your customers to rate their experience and more importantly, rate and review your employees. On average, their platform captures 50 times more valuable and actionable feedback about your staff and business because it's at the point of interaction before your customers ever leave. All types of businesses use Service Guru to measure and improve service, including restaurants, retail stores, doctors, dentists, and more. If you have customers and you want their feedback, go to www.serviceguru.com and tell them Chef sent you. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio. Jeff, so we've talked a lot. I, I think, uh, you know, we get the idea. Uh, and obviously, not everybody can be like Amazon, even though people say, boy, I wish I could be. And, you know, I, I like your response. I actually read uh, a while back an article on Fast Company where I can't remember who the design product guru was but when somebody said i want to be like amazon his response was do you really are you <laughs> really willing to do what jeff bezos has done to put that much into it to you know on and on and, and you're right most people aren't but what can people do what can companies do just uh just a few really you know like right out of the box ideas that will help start us listening to uh, our customers and creating a culture on how to create better service and experience and products. So I, I teach every team that I work with, I teach them two key questions as they think about the next project or initiative or product that they're thinking about launching or service or whatever it is. I say, uh, the first question is this, what's the most important thing you need to learn first about this? And that deceptively simple question is focused on exposing the risks inherent in this particular idea. And if, if you're working with a cross-functional team, cross team of folks, each one of them is going to raise a concern. The marketing folks will say, well, we're not sure about the target audience. And you know, the, the, the product development folks will say, well, I'm not sure I can get it done in time. And you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, all of those are valid concerns. But the question is, what's the most important one of those concerns that we need to learn right now? And that's a really good conversation to really expose and prioritize the risks in a current initiative. Mm -hmm. And then the subsequent question that I ask every team is, what is the least amount of work that we can do to learn that next most important thing? And that's where teams, good, the good teams that I work with get uh, very creative in designing experiments and learning exercises to de-risk the thing that might derail the entire uh, initiative. So people will come up with, well, we can go talk to customers and see if they'd like to, to do this. That's one, one experiment. We can do that thing that I talked about earlier where you know, we're, going to, we're going to add a product to our website that doesn't exist and see if people try to buy it. Right? Mm. And, and that gives us a sense of whether or not we should actually stock this product. And so those two questions are extremely powerful in getting folks to really start to build that sense and respond culture because it moves the conversation away from when are you going to build the thing and when will it be done to what are the biggest risks to the thing and how do we de-risk them as fast as possible. So I'm going to paraphrase almost everything that we have been talking about for almost the last half hour into one short phrase and that is give the customer what they want. I mean, isn't that what this is about? 
it, it is, but it's your responsibility to discover that because what they say they want and what they actually do are often two different things. Mm. And is that because they, you know, like Steve Jobs used to say, I have built products that the customers don't know they want until after they start using them? Or is that actually identifying an opportunity based on customer feedback? So that's exactly right. The second thing you said is exactly right. What Steve Jobs was fantastic at is a lot of things, but one of the things that he was particularly good at was identifying these opportunities that nobody else saw. And then he would, he would take big bets, big, bold, beautiful bets about how to solve for those opportunities. But at the core of it, right? Yes, nobody ever said, I want an iPod. That's absolutely true. However, People did say things like, I wish I could carry more music with me in an easier way and switch things out in a way that doesn't force me to carry around 50 pounds worth of CDs in my backpack every day. Mm -hmm. right? and, and Steve Jobs heard that repeatedly, and he just decided that he was going to solve that in a, in a creative, bold way, which was the iPod. Other people tried to solve it in, in other ways, but it just it wasn't as bold or, or as interesting. And so that's the key is identifying the need, the customer need, and then creatively solving for it. And the way to identify is to listen, to yes. ask, to get feedback. Uh, I mean, any other thoughts on that? Any other ideas? How do, how do we get the, that data, that information, that feedback that we need? So, so again, I'm gonna come back to software. First of all, there's, there's, an, there's no excuse if, if you ship anything, any part of your business, any part of your service at all using technology or software, there's no excuse for not getting data and analytics on that software. It just should be part of the way that you build it. And therefore, you've got, you've got quantitative analytics about what's happening in your system. But, and this is key, you've got to build in a regular cadence. And I'm talking weekly at, at, the, at the longest a weekly cadence of talking to your customers. One of the things that we did at a company that I worked for in New York City about 10 years ago called The Ladders, we talked to three customers every Thursday. Every Thursday, the morning was dedicated to customer conversations. And we would recruit them on Monday. They'd come in on Thursday. We spoke to each one of them for an hour. Sometimes we showed them some product ideas. Sometimes we just talked. But the idea was that we always had a qualitative feedback loop as well to tell us why we were seeing the behavior that we were measuring in the software as well. And right. This, by the way, works for any kind of product. I mean, get your information through surveys, uh, through measurement, but then, you know, that's quantitative, but get the qualitative. And by the way, how hard is it to talk to three customers a week? Just three. <laughs> and it doesn't yeah. have to be for an hour and you don't have to invite them in. Maybe just call them up on the phone, make an appointment and say, Hey, I just want to talk to you. I want to hear what you think. I want to hear your ideas. And you know, it's not about survey questions. It's about a conversation is what it sounds like to me. That's what you're saying. Absolutely. And you'd be amazed if you, if you ask people to tell you about some of the challenges that they're facing in your, in your domain, the thing that you care about, and then you just shut up they will tell you everything you want to hear. It's absolutely amazing. Love it. All right. We're almost out of time. We get to the one thing question, and that is the one thing you want to share with the audience that you may have not mentioned yet before, or do you want to emphasize something of great importance? 
The most important thing is that the, to, to understand is the, if software is driving your business, the pace of change to your business is unprecedented. And so the things that worked for you up until now, are the things that got you here are not going to get you there. And so the faster that you can build learning into the culture of your organization, the faster you can build the response mechanisms to adjust course to these wildly changing market conditions and customer expectations. Yeah, and I'll go a step further. It doesn't just have to be about software. It can be about anything. This is the expectation that all of your customers have, whether they know it or not. Jeff, thanks for being on the show. Awesome interview. Jeff got health, jeffgothealth.com, G-O-T-H-E-L-F. Learn more about it. Learn about the book, Sense and Respond. This is why we call this Amazing Business Radio. Thanks for being on the show. My pleasure, Shep. Thanks so much for having me. This was great. All right. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening. Once again, another great interview, and we'll have another one next week. So until then, this is Shep Hyken reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.